0: This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. A bill titled H.R. 5, known as the Equality Act, has passed the House. Democrats have called for its passage in this party's platform, and presidential candidate Joe Biden says it is a priority for him and that he will enact it in the first 100 days of his administration should he win next week's election. The title Equality Act is misleading. It grants gender identity and sexual orientation the same status as race in the 1964 Civil Rights Act. The bill expands the definition of public accommodations to include places or establishments that provide exhibitions, recreation, exercise, amusement gatherings or displays, goods, services or programs, transportation services. Protections against discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity, or national origin, includes protections against discrimination based on an association with another person who is a member of such a protected class, or the perception or belief, even if inaccurate, that an individual is a member of such a protected class. The bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including restrooms, a locker room, or a dressing room that's in accordance with the individual's gender identity. The most problematic part of the bill is that it prohibits the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 from providing a claim, defense, or basis for challenging such protections. Heritage Foundation's Emily Gao and I discuss the implications of the bill on today's World with Renews Digest. And now, today's fast track. The Silverado Fire in Southern California is burning near Concordia University, Irvine, which houses the headquarters of the Pacific Southwest District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. However, District President, the Rev. Dr. Michael Gibson, says so far, the campus is safe. No, the university's not in any danger. Uh, The the fires are uh, about four miles away. Although the fire is some distance away, heavy smoke blankets the area. There are about 600 students still in residence. Gibson asked Lutherans to continue praying, especially for the winds to calm. The winds come off of the desert. They blow very dry. They blow hot. And when they blow at 40, sometimes 60 miles an hour on the peaks, uh, they just whip up a firestorm. So far, no structures have been lost, but two firefighters were critically burned. Pastors in China report that they have been forced to integrate President Xi Jinping's word into the biblical account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 as the Chinese Communist Party increasingly pressures church leaders to infuse their sermons with political ideology. According to the Italian-based magazine Bitter Winter, the Communist Party has continued using the novel coronavirus pandemic to further control and politicize religions. In September, the two Chinese Christian councils of Guangzhou, a prefecture-level city in Fujian's southeastern province, demanded that all three self-churches integrate President Xi's ideas on curbing food waste into their sermons so that the policy reaches everyone in society. To implement the order, some pastors integrated the leader's words into the biblical story about Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. In the spring, officials also ordered the pastor of a church in Jingzhou, a county-level city in the eastern province of Zhejiang, to preach to the congregation that Americans brought COVID-19 to China. The U.S. Supreme Court is scheduled to consider a major abortion case out of Mississippi on Friday just days after the Senate confirmed pro-life justice Amy Comey Barrett. The case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, challenges a state law that prohibits abortions on unborn babies after 15 weeks of pregnancy. A federal judge struck down the Mississippi law in 2018, and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld that ruling in 2019. But the state appealed to the Supreme Court. On Friday, the justices' schedule includes time to debate whether they will hear the state's appeal. This, according to CNN, the case is significant not only because of Barrett, but also because it's widely considered to be a direct challenge to the precedent outlined in the Supreme Court's landmark 1973 ruling of Roe v. Wade. This is World Lutheran News Digest I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Tip Allen An important piece of legislation is now before the uh, Congress. It's passed the House of Representatives and has enormous implications for religious liberty. With me today is Ms. Emily Gao from uh, the Heritage Foundation. Good day to you, and uh, tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'm the director of the DeVos Center for Religion and Civil Society at the Heritage Foundation. I've worked on religious freedom for... Almost 17 years now, um, I started off working on international religious freedom in East Asia at the State Department, but gradually I became very concerned about the state of religious freedom in America. And so three years ago, I joined the Heritage Foundation to protect religious freedom because although it's you know a critical part of the founding of the United States, it's increasingly under attack. And there's decreasing bipartisan support for it.
0: Well, this um, Heritage, the, pardon me, the um, Equality Act, H.R. 5, I've read over it, and it's anything but equal. It uh, redefines sexuality to include, um, as it says, uh any uh, form of uh, sexual gender discrimination, whether it, whether it's transgender, whether it's who knows what. And uh, the law, if it was go- pick going, uh, going to effect, would uh, impact exhibitions, recreation, exercise, amusement, gatherings, displays, goods, services, programs, the whole thing. And it further goes on to say that perception or belief, even if inaccurate, that an individual is a member of such a protected class, LBGTQ, the bill would prohibit the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 from providing claim, defense, or basis for that challenge. And uh, I look at the things that are included here, exhibitions or recreation, any church or school that has an athletic field or an exercise field, gatherings, gatherings, church meetings, perhaps, displays, goods and services, uh, you know, there goes uh, there goes uh, uh, the, the wedding cake industry, there goes the wedding industry, period, and other things along that line. This is a very frightening piece of legislation, if I'm reading this correctly.
1: Well, I think you are reading it correctly, and you are very right to be concerned, because It modifies the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which was Mm -hmm. a sweeping uh, act of legislation, and that bill was very needed to help protect African Americans, to shield them from discrimination because they were denied basic goods and services. But what's happening now with the Equality Act is that um, they're taking the narrative from the Civil Rights Act, but they're really using it to punish disagreement on issues like same-sex marriage and transgender ideology. So we believe that every person should be treated with dignity and respect. No one should be facing invidious discrimination. But in so many of these cases that we've seen arise under state-level Equality Act type laws, it's really not about discrimination. It's really punishing disagreement.
0: That's that's the way I read it is it's, uh, it's punitive actually. But the other thing that's frightening on this thing is, again, I have read the Democratic platform as well as this particular uh, piece of legislation, and they say they want to get it passed right away, and Vice President Biden has said it's very high on its priority list if he wins the election.
1: That's right. They have said that it's their priority to pass it in the first 100 days, and they've been you know, touting it throughout their town halls and their discussions. So I have no doubt that this is a top priority for a potential Biden presidency. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think most people in America really recognize the the massive harms that the Equality Act would inflict on many Americans. So I'm sure we'll get into discussion of how uh, religious believers would be harmed by this. But it's important to recognize that anybody who simply believes that, you know, we created male and female and that male and female are made for each other, that marriage between a man and a woman, that those beliefs could be punished in almost every area of civil society. And that affects not only religious believers, it affects people who, you know, believe in science, who believe that, you know, we are born male and female, and it would affect children. It would affect, as you said, uh, business owners, medical professionals, counselors, and, um, Nonprofits as well as for-profit organizations.
0: Again, the the nonprofit aspect of this thing is uh, very very concerning. Uh, one of the one of the issues that uh, I've been following is uh, that of faith-based adoption and foster care agencies that are now being frozen out because they follow their faith of only adopting to married couples, male and female. Uh, as I read this law. Uh, It's tough luck for those adoption agencies. They'll either have to shut down or violate their own beliefs, which I don't think they will.
1: Right. So this bill would essentially impose a sexual orthodoxy on the entire nation. And sadly, faith-based adoption agencies, up to 8,000 of them across the country, could be forced to make an impossible choice between their beliefs and serving children. So that's obviously a choice that no adoption or foster care agency should be forced to make. The government really needs all the partners that it can find in you know, the private sector to help train and identify foster parents and adoptive parents. Because as you, you may know, there's a huge shortage right now of foster parents for the f- more than four hundred thirty-seven thousand children who are waiting for a foster family.
0: I know, uh, for example, in Philadelphia, there's there's a big case out there between the with Catholic Social Services, where they have adopted hundreds of children uh, through for, through foster care, and ironically, the uh, day uh, the week before uh, the. Uh, the city decided that they didn't want to deal with them anymore. They put out an urgent call for 300 300 families for adoption.
1: Right. So that kind of illustrates the tragedy of this situation. Um, You know, there are ideological disagreements between adults and the people who are being most harmed are those children who are, you know, waiting for a foster family or an adoptive family. When we are in a situation in this country and in Philadelphia of having a shortage of foster families, we should be allowing all hands on deck. Um, the whole system works better when there is a diversity of foster agencies and adoptive agencies who can serve everybody, every type of you know, parent, every every kind of child. And what Philadelphia has done is it's basically imposed this ideological litmus test that eliminated one of you know the, the best serving, most qualified, most longstanding foster agencies in the city. Um, and those who are suffering as a result are the foster families and the children.
0: Well, one of the things that uh, I found um, especially tragic was that there'd never been a complaint against Catholic social services in Philadelphia. And their policy was that if there would be a gay couple, they'd say, well, we can't help you, but this agency over here can. They would refer them to an agency that would help them.
1: That's exactly right. So there are 30 agencies in Philadelphia that provide foster care services. And 29 of those um, you know, work with LGBT couples to train them. And as you said, Catholic Charities refers um, those LGBT couples who would come to them to another agency. But in this case, nobody complained about Catholic charities. It was simply the city of Philadelphia targeting the agency because of disagreement over their beliefs that every child deserves both a mom and a dad.
0: Well, oh, another part of this um, is that it would uh, prohibit individuals from being denied access to shared facilities, including restrooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms, in accordance with the individual's gender identity. We can see the impact this would have on schools, even religious schools.
1: Yes, that is a very serious issue that should be taken into consideration by families, Um by you know school administrators, because there are real risks when you have open access, you know, to any anybody to restrooms, locker rooms. Um, our concern, you know, is not about those people who identify as transgender committing assaults, but we realize from the statistics that the FBI has compiled, which Heritage is reported on, that sexual predators will take advantage of an open access policy to these private facilities to um, you know commit assaults against vulnerable women and girls.
0: Well, well, many of these women are there because they have been battered by men. They're trying to get away from that. It's, it, it's a safe space. This could be gone.
1: Yes, and there was a lawsuit already in Anchorage, Alaska with exactly that kind of um, situation where a homeless shelter for women was sued by a man who identifies as a woman and um, the city of Alaska, the city of Anchorage was seeking to punish that uh, women's shelter because they were simply, as you said, trying to protect vulnerable women, women who were homeless women who had been battered and who were you know, fearful of men and simply having a man in their you know in close proximity with those women would have been traumatizing to them.
0: What would it do to women's sports?
1: Well, it would be the end of women's sports. I mean, we've already seen in places that have adopted these policies that girls in Connecticut, notably, are, you know, girls who were at the top of their sport are losing. Not only they're losing their races, um, they're losing, you know, opportunities for medals. They're also losing opportunities for future college scholarships because they're losing to you know, boys who simply have a physical advantage because of testosterone. Um, there's no amount of hormone that you can take that would take away the significant advantage that testosterone gives to male athletes. The reason why we have you know, separate sports is simply to take into account that reality of the physical differences between males and females.
0: Over and above the testosterone issue, uh, men have a different musculature, uh, different uh, skeletal structure, much different from women. It doesn't matter if they identify as a woman or not.
1: That's absolutely right. Once males go through puberty, those things are changed permanently. Um, and so the effects of testosterone last for a person's entire lifetime. Even if they do go on to hormones, um, they still have gone through puberty. They have that advantage of the testosterone and they do have an unfair competitive advantage over females. In addition to the loss of opportunities, both both athletic and academic opportunities, when you're talking about contact sports, there's a real physical risk of endangering women's um, bodies and even their lives if they have to compete against males. We've already seen in mixed martial arts that there have been very severe injuries of uh, women who were forced to compete against men who identify as women.
0: Well, we've got some, uh, some other issues up there. Uh, you know, the state of Virginia has actually enacted a very similar uh, bill. It's put into law in uh, the state of Virginia. It's called the Virginia Values Act. It's essentially doing what the H.R. 5 would be doing nationwide.
1: Right, so Virginia, like about half the states in the country has already passed a non-discrimination law that has added sexual orientation and gender identity. And many of the conflicts that we've been talking about have arisen under those state laws. So you probably recall the Masterpiece Cake Shop case with Jack Phillips a few years ago, Um, that arose from a state law like that. And um, the case that was heard this summer, uh, the Supreme Court, the Bostock versus Clayton, the Bostock case, Combined with a couple of other cases, those arose out of state um, non-discrimination laws. So the types of things that we see in the states, conflicts between religious believers, religious entities, and um, people who identify as LGBT, these will grow exponentially if the Equality Act were to become federal law.
0: This is a major piece of legislation, and it's not just an outlier one. When it passed in the House of Representatives, it passed unanimously by Democratic vote. Uh, Republicans voted against it, but the Democrats supported it completely. They pledged to continue it if they take the Senate. And uh, the President, vice President, Vice uh, 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 the vice president says that he will sign it if he is elected. Why is this bill not more in the forefront? It's something that would impact everyone.
1: That's a good question. I think that people don't really understand the extent of the harms of the Equality Act. One area that we have described extensively um, is the the violation of the conscience rights of medical professionals. Medical professionals are already being sued in states because they you know don't believe it's good medicine to prescribe hormones or to perform surgeries on individuals who identify um, with gender dysphoria, including children. And we've already seen that in the United Kingdom, these types of treatments, um, they've led to great harms. And there are young people now who underwent surgical and um, hormonal treatments who now greatly regret it and are suing the British government for allowing them to consent to those types of procedures. So American children, also would undergo the same types of harms if they went on to hormonal treatments or even went to to have surgery. And by politicizing the practice of medicine, uh, the Equality Act would take away options for parents. um, And it would really impose, as I said, a sexual orthodoxy on the medical profession. So the dangers are very real. And I think the dangers really need to be better understood by the American public.
0: And as you pointed out, this is something that will will directly impact the medical industry, the, med, the medical profession. Uh, there was a case just recently I read about where a doctor was sued because he refused to, to uh, do a double mastectomy on a healthy 16-year-old girl.
1: Yes, there have been lawsuits against medical doctors. They have also been... Um, cases in which counselors have been forbidden from you know, counseling those children or adults who struggle with same-sex attraction or with gender dysphoria. We've also seen um, compelled speech. So there's a case of a um, psychiatry professor who was tenured at the University of Kentucky in Louisville. He spoke at Heritage, and um, as a result, he spoke about his concerns about you know, the transgender movement's treatment of gender dysphoria, and he was fired from his position. Um, And so we also have seen people in the teaching profession be forced to use preferred pronouns in the classroom. There are lawsuits uh, by a teacher in Virginia who was fired, and another one by a professor at Sewanee State University. Being forced to use um, inaccurate pronouns in the classroom, that is so un American, you know, to force someone to say something that violates their conscience and to do this in front of students. So, again, I mean, it's hard to really overstate the far reaching effects of imposing this sexual orthodoxy upon the entire nation and punishing anybody who disagrees with that orthodoxy.
0: Well, we're suffering, I think, the uh, fallout from the so called hate crime legislation, the hate speech. You don't can You don't just disagree with a person nowadays. You're wrong. You're hateful. You're evil.
1: Yes, and I think the compelled pronouns, you know, are an example. They're a manifestation of that idea that, um, you know, no one. The idea I think behind speech hate speech is that there's a right not to be offended.
0: I, I missed that one in my constitutional law class.
1: <laughs> Well, that's because it's a really un-American idea. You know, many other countries do have hate speech laws, but we've never, you know, we've always rejected that idea. The Supreme Court has been very firm in rejecting that throughout our jurisprudence. So it is very un-American to impose compelled speech on anybody. And in this case, when you're talking about, you know, teachers using biologically correct um, pronouns for students in front of other students, I mean, it just... It's really, it's really mind-boggling.
0: Well, Emily, we're coming up to the end of the interview. I'm hoping that you'll speak a little bit about the Heritage Foundation, who you are, what you do, and how people can learn more about you.
1: Thank you. Well, the Heritage Foundation is a conservative think tank. We have um, members throughout the country who support us. We provide research and education for the federal government. So we comment on the Supreme Court's work we provide um, legislative proposals to congress and we advise the executive branch on administrative policies Um, much of our work on the equality act these days is focused on the harms to children and we hosted um, two summits on protecting children from sexualization uh, both in 2019 and then just this past august in 2020 and in those summits we've really tried to highlight the ways that legislation like the Equality Act would be harmful to children, not only would it impose, as we talked about, you know, transgender ideology in medicine, um, preferred pronouns and transgender policies in schools, it could also even impact curriculum in schools and promote um, more politicized information about sexual orientation and unscientific ideas about gender identity being taught in schools. So the Equality Act is something that parents should really make themselves aware of and understand how it can impact um, children, not only in public schools, but we also see there are potential impacts in private schools and religious schools, which could also be affected by this bill.
0: And if people want to contact the Heritage Foundation, it's at heritage.org, I believe.
1: That's correct.
0: And to learn more about uh, the so-called Equality Act, just simply Google it, H.R. 5 Equality Act, and read it. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime, streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen.